it's uh, yeah, nice to nice to see everyone. Nice to see familiar faces, friendly faces. Thanks so much for your prayers earlier. Yeah, John and I feel yeah truly honoured, um, and yeah, I'm excited for what I feel that God has to say for us this afternoon. So, if you can please uh, open up your Bibles, open up your apps, uh, and turn to Mark chapter nine, verses thirty-eight to fifty, which is where we're going to base ourselves for today. Okay. And um, Pauline, if you can keep a close eye on Derek, he was threatening to nod off at some point during me speaking today. So, um, yeah, if you can just give him a gentle nudge whenever he needs one. Thank you. So, great. Has everyone managed to get there? Yeah. Mark, Mark chapter 9? Perfect. So, um, I'll, I'll start reading away. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Amen. So um, <clears throat> I think we, we always have to remember with the Bible that it didn't come at, you know, split up into nice uh, chapters and verses uh, in the original manuscripts. It didn't uh, come, you know, with in your Bible. You probably you know got, got a little heading above this passage. You know, uh, well, three headings actually in terms of the verses that are there. Um, but that's not how it originally came. And actually, you know, what we're reading today flows from where Graham was last week. Um, and I think that's important to, to recognise in terms of that that was actually the the trigger for this passage of teaching um, uh, that Jesus focuses on. And I think. What is important to recognize is that, you know, the mistakes that we see the disciples making, that we saw them making last week, um, that we see them making today, are pertinent to us today. And, and you know, when I read these verses, uh, you know, sadly, sometimes I see a bit myself, you know, in terms of the mistakes that the disciples make, and that, that may be true of you too. Um, but thankfully, Jesus' grace um, is enough for uh, us now, as it was a couple of thousands years, a couple of thousand years ago, um, and in the same way that he speaks into the disciples, teaching them actually not that way, this way, that those teachings are still relevant to us today. Um, and you know, when you first read this, um, these verses, like I said, in my Bible anyway, they're split, split up into three different you know, sections. And actually, you know, within these three sections, Jesus is talking about everything from uh, millstones to salt to donkeys to worms. 
you know, it's, it's really quite creative, the images that are being used. And, and sometimes it, you, it, when you read it at first glance, it's quite hard to tie everything together. But there, I think there are you know, some central messages within the teaching that Jesus is trying to convey um, in these verses and, and, and beyond. Um, and the central messages are really how followers of Jesus, people that call themselves followers of Jesus, how they should behave. What should be... Um, the shining aspects of the characters of people that say that they are Christians or that say that they are members of the kingdom of God. Um, and I think <clears throat> that, you know, within these verses, we can see that Jesus doesn't expect to see pride in people that are members and followers of God. Um, we see, secondly, that being a follower of Jesus is characterized by service, you know, um, by humbling yourself and giving to other people around you making people around you more important than yourself and um, which is extremely hard to do but is what is the hallmark of our faith you know, to be honest okay and so i mean as i'm speaking today you know I'll, i'm going to touch on quite a few topics but i'll i'll forgive you for staring off into space because i, I want you to be reflective actually um, on the things that I say um, in terms of actually these are the standards that Jesus sets for a Christian or for somebody that says that, that they follow him how well am I meeting up to these standards where am I falling short and Holy Spirit what is it that you want me to do to alter about my life so that I can reach these actually extremely difficult and high to hard to reach standards that Jesus outlines in these verses okay so if we start, first of all, just by having another look at verses 38 and 39, and I'll, I'll read them again. Teacher said, Teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. So last time around, the disciples were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest, and, you know, Today has echoes of that again because their, their, their pride is what is proving to be the trap that they fall into. And you know, when, when I read these, these verses, it makes me reflect and ask the question, wh where is it that I get my, my validation from? You know, what, what, what makes me feel that I am truly who I am or truly being a Christian? You know, to, to the disciples, the validation that they were obtaining was, or, and the proof of God's work in their life um, was not just from what Jesus said. It was from being able to do something that others could not, you know. Um, so for, for them to, they needed somebody else to be incapable for them to feel that they are capable and that they were valuable, okay. And that, that thought, that feeling is so corrupting that instead of seeing, being happy when they see a demon driven out of somebody, and that person being healed, their first thought is not 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 one of joy, not one of happiness. It's in terms it's, it says that that's against the rules. That's not why 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 you and not us. That's not right. Um, and they couldn't be happy unless it was them doing that miracle. Um, and yeah, it's, it's easy to stand here and be like you know, terrible disciples, but. It's, if you stop and think, sometimes, you know, sadly, that can be true of us as well, you know, in terms of 
And there, there might be instances in, in your particular life or in our lives, at, at home or at work, where actually sometimes we're, we're holding people back or we're holding people down to make us feel more. Our, our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus, should be lives of encouraging and enabling the people that are around us, not holding them down just so that we feel better about ourselves. And our validation shouldn't come from, shouldn't need any comparison with somebody else, okay? Our validation comes from what Jesus has given and done in our lives, um, not from anywhere else. And the reality is that the comments that the disciples make betray exactly what, what is inside, in their minds. You know? they, they, they believe that they have the exclusive rights to Jesus um, and to his name. And the reality is, you know, the gospel is based on the exact opposite of that. You know? So you know, he, he is the shepherd, we're the sheep that belong to him. You know? um, we've been bought with his blood. We haven't bought him. You know, Jesus isn't our property. You know, we are his. That's the whole basis of what we believe. And so, you know, if we cast our minds back to when Graham last spoke uh, about the, the toxic celebrity culture within the church, it is so important as Christians that when we see brothers and sisters stepping away from what the Bible says Christians should be and church should be, that we are vocal um, in lovingly encouraging people from the wrong direction into the right one. And, and so many of the horror stories that you hear about um, things going wrong within the church are because people fail to speak up and be, or, or there are leadership structures that are put in place where people are unable to speak up and be honest where things are going wrong. Um, and so, but at the same time, the balance to be found there is also guarding as a church against self-righteousness okay um, it's easy to look at churches elsewhere and think they've got it wrong we've got it right okay uh, so you know whether whether, whether that's you know, in terms of their, their doctrine you know um, and then doing things slightly differently whether it's in terms of the way that they do worship you know in terms of like oh actually you know They've got a few too many you know, smoke machines and lights, uh, or it could be the opposite. They, they don't have enough smoke machines and lights, so they don't want to go there. It could be that their, their way of understanding the Holy Spirit in terms of like, you know, they're, they're falling down a bit too much and dancing up, dancing up and down the aisles a little bit too much in that particular church, or, or actually you know, they're, they're not falling down enough, or they're not dancing up and down the aisles enough in that church, so Jesus can't be there. Um, we can, we can have, like the disciples, we can have our opinion about what church should look like and what is right and say, push away um, anybody else that seems to be getting it wrong and believe that we have the exclusive rights, the exclusive understanding of the real Jesus. And so, the, the, uh, as I said, that leads to a self-righteousness. And the, the issue with self-righteousness is that when we... Uh, when we are self-righteous, we're, we're elevating ourselves. And when we think that we've got something right that others have got wrong, we're pushing others down. And that always, always breeds division, okay? Whereas it creates them and us. And that's exactly what we see in these verses in terms of 
that actually the words of the disciples themselves is they are not one of us. Uh, that is what self-righteousness and, and, and pride breeds. But servanthood, humility, breeds the opposite. It breeds unity. You know? And God knows you know, at a time like this where uh, our world is in need um, in so many different ways, we need a unified church. Um, and that, I don't want anyone to misinterpret me because it's not the same as turning a blind eye to things where things are wrong. We have to be vocal where people, where people are, are going astray from what the Bible says. But it's accepting that actually Christ is the head of his church it's for him to judge rather than ourselves, rather than elevating ourselves to that position of judge. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So our verses today, we see Jesus saying that those that use his name are on his side. But in the verses that we read in Matthew, we, say, we, we see that actually people using his name, it's not a guarantee that they are truly part of his church. The only way that I, I feel that we can reconcile these verses is recognizing that in Mark, where we've read today, the disciples have elevated themselves to judge in terms of actually who is using the name of Jesus correctly or who is or who isn't. Whereas actually in Matthew, Jesus is the judge. The point is, let's make ourselves less. Let's leave the judgment to, to God himself because he is, as I say, the head of his church. And let's make peace with that. Let's be joyful when we see God's work being done around us, um, even if it's not necessarily us. Let's seek unity in the church and let's be actively involved in jumping over denominational barriers to try and bring the church closer together to be able to you know, bring God's purpose to our city. You know, I think things like in the summer where we had Together 2022, those things are amazing. You know, where actually we've got many churches coming from across the black country to be able to do something fresh for God. You know, I mean, ourselves as a church, you know, I'd, I, th I think I never get tired of telling the story of Hope City Church. You know, sorry, from a, I don't know how many people have heard that story from a field to, to the church, but it's true. It's, it's awesome. And the very fact that I am able to stand here is a testimony to church unity. You know? So um, I am not a Methodist. I likely never will be, okay? But I am only here because of the love of the people that run Beckminster Church for God, okay? That's why I'm able to stand here on that pulpit, that for their understanding of this principle of church unity and humility and actually putting a love for Jesus first above a need to be right. Um, and so I think being, part, being a testimony to that church, actually we want to, the, the goodness that we've been given, we want to give out more. 
okay, and, and so in terms of building a greater relationship with Begminster, and how awesome was it earlier on in the year when we were able to do our baptism together, so building close relationship with, with Beckminster, but then also using the principles and the grace that God has given us in this instance to actually give grace to others around us locally and beyond to be able to see God's purpose done um, in the world around us. If we look again at verses 40 and 41, Jesus says, For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. Who would like to know an unusual fact about me? Dave. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Just Dave. That's fine. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to ask you all anyway, and I'm going to give Dave a free guess, okay? I'm going to give maybe two other people a guess. Uh, wh what was the first um, music album that I, I, I went to with all my pocket money? I went to um, a shop, it doesn't exist anymore, a shop in the Palisades in Birmingham to buy my first CD. Who's going to guess? Dave, what's your, what's your guess? Uh, we <laughs> I wish I was as cool as that. No, it's not Wu-Tang. No, sadly, no. Uh, who are we? S Club 7. Oh, it's almost as... Ruth is so much closer than Dave. <laughs> it's not far off. Anyone else want to give a guess? Spice Girls. Ah, oh, man. Be Be Becca and Ruth are so much closer. <laughs> What's that? Take that. No, no, you're, you're, you're warmer, but Becca and Ruth are pretty much nearly nailed on. Um, <laughs> Dean? Pardon? The Anfield Raft. No, it wasn't the Anfield Raft. No, no, very cold. Okay, so we've had some great guesses. Um, like I said, Ruth and Becca were the closest. So um, my first album that I bought was Destiny's Child. And the, the writings on the wall. Okay, so classic R&B album. Um, uh, you know, to, to Dave's happiness, I'm less likely to listen to music like that now. I'm more likely to listen to Wu-Tang. Um, but at that time, that was the, they, they were the, the, the coolest people I could imagine. So, um, I, and it was an album loaded with classics, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, okay? And maybe top of the list is a song um, called Say My Name. Yeah? Everyone, everyone, anyone ever, everyone heard Say My Name before? Yeah. Derek's I heard Say My Name? Huh? No, not RD. This is 20... Oh, it's terrible. No. <laughs> sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to sing it. Say my name. No, no, no. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> but if you don't know, so for, 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 yeah, for Derek's, yeah, for, for you, especially for you, Derek, oh, or maybe I'll sing it to you later. But the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the focus of the song, okay, Say My Name, is about the... Uh, a, a partner giving the, the pretense of a, the, the pretense of a relationship. So half of the relationship is still there, but the but the the lady can see that actually because the partner is not saying her name, that something is wrong. Something's amiss. Okay, in their relationship, um, and that's how she she knows. You know, because he won't say her name. And I hope you'll forgive me, really, that's a really tenuous link, wasn't it? But it is related to what I have to say from Scripture today. Uh, and it's almost as much of a surprise to me that I'm talking about the words of Beyonce from the pulpit today. Uh, but never mind. If, if you're, well, the point is that 
if you're going through the motions of the Christian walk and actually being a good person, okay, if you're doing the right thing and you're giving people cups of water and you are being charitable, um, but you're not saying Jesus' name as you do it, there, there can be no reward that's described in these verses, okay? Um, and a little bit like in the song, actually, hesitance to say Jesus' name sometimes betrays actually uh, a shallowness in our relationship with him, you know, because he hasn't been ashamed of us. He went through the most humiliating death that somebody could imagine for us, okay? So if he hasn't been ashamed of us, surely there's no reason for us to be ashamed of him in terms of saying his name and why we do the things that we do and the good that we do as a church. Um, we're called to do more than good things. We're called to do them for him. You know? So when we, when we think about, you know, Alpha, you know, my, my, Mike and Sue are not just going to put on a buffet like you can't imagine just for the sake of it. You know, they, they are doing it in Jesus' name. Um, and I think this is, it's, it's notable to me that this is the first time in the entire Gospel of Mark he's been recognized as a Messiah by others. But this is the first time that Jesus refers to himself as the Messiah in this Gospel. Um, and to me, it resonates in terms of that actually when we say Jesus' name and when we do good deeds in his name, that is how we reveal who Jesus truly is, that his true identity becomes clear when we are doing good things in his name. And you know, in verse 40, Jesus talks about people being either with or against him. You know? So there isn't actually, you know, he doesn't say that there are some that there are either with us or against us or, or, or they don't really mind. Verse 40 says, you're either with us or against us. And, and actually our hesitance a lot of the time um, tends to come from a position of wanting to be neutral, you know, and not wanting to cause offense. That's why we fail to say Jesus' name. If, if I say Jesus' name, this person might be hurt or they might take it the wrong way. But actually... Jesus is clear that we're either with him or against him. And so I say this as much to myself as I say it to anybody else. You know, the, the challenge is for us to be a little bit less van vanilla, okay? Be a little bit less neutral, okay? But actually be clear about why we're doing the good things that we do, okay? Uh, I just want to challenge you. Think about how often are you saying Jesus' name each day or doing things in his name? Let's be clear, Let, let's, let's say his name. Okay. And then I'll read verses 42 to 48 again. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. And what stands, to me in the, stands out to me in these verses is the really graphic imagery that Jesus uses 
but the message that comes through, which is our level of responsibility to one another. So the, you know, these, these awful things, you know, hell itself um, being reserved for Christians that fail to take, because Jesus is talking to follow, his followers here, actually. So being re- reserved for people that follow him but fail to take the responsibility to care for his sheep correctly. Um, and, you know, I, I want to challenge you. Do, do you feel that responsibility to the people that are in this church? You know, making sure that one another don't stumble, you know, Jesus is clear here, is the difference between heaven and hell itself. You know? and God has put us together as a church to play a key role in one another's spiritual journeys. You know? And that isn't just, you know, Graham or Ruth or whoever is stood here at the front. It's each and every one of us. Um, turn to the person next to them. Look, 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 look them deep. Gaze deeply into their eyes. Okay, <laughs> and tell them you are you you are playing a key role in that God's purpose for them on this earth. Do you know that? I want you to tell them as you gaze deeply into their eyes. Lean in and say, <laughs> don't lean in, I'm joking. <laughs> and say, God, I am going to play a key role in God's purpose for you on this earth. Yeah, can you say that? I mean it. Because it's true. Yeah? We have a level of responsibility to each other, a huge level of responsibility to each other as a church. Okay? And that's why the consequences of causing the person next to you to stumble are huge. We are facilitating, working together, Hope City Church, you know, to see God's purposes fulfilled here in Wolverhampton. So within that, we need to be lifting each other up. We need to be encouraging each other. We don't need to be bickering or whinging or moaning. We need to be helping one another. Because the reality is that that is what church, is re- church really is. You know? um, it's, it's God's people working together building relationships, building community to see God's kingdom come. You know, it's, it's not about ticking the right boxes to make sure that, you know, I, Bucky, make it to heaven. It's, it's actually about doing all that I can and all that we can to make sure that we, as a community, fulfill his purpose and that, that we end up in heaven hearing, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, and, and you know, when we're there, you know, that I'm not on my personal journey, I'm hearing, well done, good and faithful server, that I'm looking around and I'm seeing, you know, Sam, hear the same thing, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm looking around seeing Judith, hear the same thing, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. That is my responsibility, not just to make sure that I get across the line, it's to make sure that we get across the line and that we're bringing people to a knowledge of him. And that is our responsibility to one another. That is what Jesus is outlining here in these verses. If you look at the analogies that Jesus gives here, you know, he's, he's quite clearly, what, to me, he's speaking in hyperbole. You know, he's not asking people to start cutting off their hands and cutting off their feet or, or, or plucking out their eyes. But this image you know, to, uh, of, of people without hands or, or feet or without eyes is just that, an image as we read it today. But actually in first century Judea, it was much more. Because 
if we think about the Old Testament and the book of Leviticus, you know, people that were, um, you know, had physical deformities were, there was a barrier between them and the innermost sanctum of God and meeting God. But here, what, we're, what we see through what Jesus is saying is that actually, you know, these people, people with physical deformities, it's not important. You're still able to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what is outlined in these verses. Lose a hand, you'll still be in the kingdom of heaven. And so actually what Jesus is outlining is that, you know, whereas before, what the physical appearance, what you, how you present to the outside was of utmost importance in terms of um, your relationship with God. What is more important actually than your physical appearance is actually how you relate to the people around you. What is inside your heart and how you feel and how you are caring for fellow followers of Jesus Christ. And, and how you treat your brothers and sisters is more important than whether you have two hands and two feet and one eye. Uh, two eyes, sorry, not one eye. <laughs> but, um, and, and that spiritual attitude is the most significant thing. And so for us as a church, the challenge is for us to, to pay less attention to how we appear to the outside world. And, and how we're you know, making sure that we're dotting our eyes and crossing our T's and that we're doing everything religious that we should. We need to pay more attention to how we're treating one another in this church, okay? And, and in the wider church, you know, like I said, if you have a grievance with someone here or elsewhere, let it go. Let's stop being stumbling blocks to one another. Let's work together as a community to bring God's purposes and will to the world around us. Final couple of verses. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Um, the first thing that struck me already, what does salt with fire mean? Is quite an, it's not something that translates easily from you know, the Greek to the English. And I, I think there's a few you know, different ways to interpret these, these words. Um, I think to help us, it helps for us to be able to think about where Jesus is heading, you know, in terms of what he said, you know, ultimately in terms of talking about salt in the last couple of verses, uh, and also what salt and fire are in the Bible, or how often those, um, where, where, when those images or pictures are brought up. And typically, when salt and fire are used, it's to link with um, destruction and also with purity. So in Genesis, you have the story of the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah um, destroyed by fire. And if you remember the, the story of Lot's wife, she turns to a pillar of salt because she doesn't fail to obey the command of the angels. Um, in Deuteronomy 29, you know, where, where God's describing the, the well, prior to that, in the chapter previous, he described the blessings for following his covenant. But actually, in, in this chapter 29, he describes the curses for failing to follow his covenant that would um, be the, the case for Israel. And he describes how the, the, the promised land, the beautiful promised land, will become uh, burning sulfur and salt as a part of that curse. So I think when we bear that in mind, um, and like I said, think about you know, where you know, Jesus is transitioning in his teaching you know, in each of these verses, I, th I think it leads me to think, to feel that one particular interpretation that stands out most to me, which is that 
I believe that Jesus is saying that his disciples, on their way to becoming salt, which he mentions in the last couple of verses, they will pass through fire, pain, and suffering. Okay, and you know, Graham spoke about suffering um, last week, and, and I think knowing that God uses suffering for his sovereign purposes doesn't always make us feel that much better in that particular moment. It doesn't always make it that much easier to navigate. But I think that knowing that you have someone in your corner you know, praying for you, alongside you, can make a difference. Um, and when we think about the entire context of what Jesus is saying, the importance of caring for of his church, caring for one another, we can see that going, we're all going to go through the fire in this life. You know, that, that's what the verse says, everyone will be salted with fire. Um, but knowing that we have our Christian brothers and sisters alongside us, praying for us, uh, encouraging us, that can help make the difference. So let's, let's be that encouragement to one another. Let's, let's build those relationships so that we can be there for one another. You know, church, church, is, a, church is a family. And, and everyone that, that has family knows that it's not sunshine and rainbows all the time. Um, and sometimes people in families hurt one another. You know, and sometimes the, 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 the fire, the pain, the suffering actually comes from closer to the home than you might think you know, in terms of church. And I think that, you know, in reality, I can think that sometimes I've been hurt by church. I think that sometimes I've hurt people in church, if I'm honest with myself. But when we think about what Jesus is saying in these passages, he's clear about our responsibility to help one another heal those wounds and help one another through, the, through that fire on our way to becoming salt. That means that when we see a brother or sister who has been hurt by church or elsewhere, you know, we, we don't dismiss or leave them on the sidelines. We pull ourselves through the, through the fire on the way to becoming salt together. We don't give up on them and go and search for you know, a perfect brotherhood or perfect family elsewhere. No, we, we help them through and we help patch those wounds together as part of our responsibility to one another to get through that fire on the way to being salt. Um, we need to be salt to one another among ourselves first and then to the world around us. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. That's what he wants for his church. But here, we need to be salt to one another first um, before we can witness to the world around us. Because if we're, if we're not salt to one another, if we're not caring for each other, if we're not loving, for each, loving each other, if we're not helping one another on our Christian walk, then actually all that the world around us is going to see when they see us is, is, is hypocrisy. You know? They're not going to see a flavor, a taste that they want to be part of or that Jesus calls us to be. Let's pay due attention to our relationships with one another, to building one another up um, so that we can be the salt of the earth that Jesus calls us to be. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the privilege of being part of your church and privilege of being part of your will for the world around us. We, we pray that we will hear the message of these verses loud and clear and understand the responsibility that we have to one another to be humble, the responsibility that we have to one another as a church to be unified, 
the responsibility that we have to one another to help ourselves, to, to help ourselves through the pain and suffering, through the fire on our way to becoming salt and being, you know, a light and making a difference in the world around us. In your name. Amen. Should we stand?